Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Dame's Takes, and I'm your host, Damian Gordon, also known as Dame Fuego. Welcome to episode 14, another absolutely stupendous, great, long episode expected to come right here, right now for you guys. Um, I have some absolutely great news before we start getting into it. Boy, oh boy, am I happy to finally say that we got some merch available to the people. It is taking a little bit, but let me say it's been worth the wait. Um, Mr. Dion Price from the tea shop down in the Antelope Valley. I cannot overstate how great, how impeccably great of a job he did to make it happen. Um, He explained the process to me and how hard he worked both physically and mentally to make this possible and make um, our vision, my vision come true. I'm more than happy to give him a huge shout out, Mr. Dion Price from the tea shop. Um, they do shirts, hoodies, they do jerseys, and, and he does really, really good work, really great work. And it's not like this is the only thing he does. Mr. Dion Price is also the head coach of the women's basketball team at the University of the Antelope Valley who they're not too bad you know he's been there for three years and they've won the california pacific division title in all three years so you know he makes some really good merchandise some really good clothing and he's also a really good basketball coach so uh, i just just a great guy i'm happy to work with him happy to give him a shout out huge thank you once again to mr Dion price um if you're trying to get something made i i would definitely suggest him (laughs) He would be my first suggestion, my only suggestion, really. But like I said, we got some merch available. I've already went ahead and ran out of mediums and larges and XLs, and I only have two X hoodies. So safe to say that it's been a very pleasant response, a very good response from the people. I really, really appreciate the support from the bottom of my heart, and I will do whatever I have to, do whatever I can to make sure that I can keep on providing both content and products for you guys just to keep keep having situations keep on having the ability for you guys to support which again i i cannot overstate how much i appreciate it um we're gonna mix it up a little bit i figured as we get closer to we get baseball ending soon we get basketball ending soon i feel like we might as well go ahead and switch it up a little bit add a little wrinkle add another fold to this amazing podcast we have here so before we start getting into sports now, we're going to start getting into some music a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little something, something. Um, one of my favorite artists, absolutely one of my favorite artists, especially in the R&B field, Mr. Brent Fayez dropped a new song since we last spoke. Um, it's called Dead Man Walking. Really, really good song. Really, really good artist, honestly. Um, yeah, really, really good song. The funny thing is, I have a music group chat, me and me and my guys, me and my fellas, we got a music group chat, and they had posted this song in the group chat a few different times, I'm not going to lie. I heard this song like two weeks ago, and I heard it a few times, and I'm pretty sure from what I heard on like SoundCloud to the actual, like ver- the, the version that was put out, I think they did set up the beat a little bit he did a little bit of had had little differences little subtle differences which made me really appreciate the song even more and like i said i'm a big brent fan already so i was all in i was all in it 
I saw him post a cover on his um, Instagram page, and I was thinking maybe we were getting a surprise album. Maybe he had a few more songs, maybe the EP or something. But it turned out just to be the one song, and I had heard it before, so I was a little disappointed. But nonetheless, I'm always happy to hear some new Brent, and to me that means we're getting some more Brent. Um, he should be, I believe he's celebrating his 26th, I think they said, his 26th birthday this this week. So, you know... Once an artist puts out one little thing of new music, you kind of, kind of get ready for for some more. Other way, other ways in the new music landscape, there's been a lot of mu- new music this past week. I meant to write down all the new stuff that I kind of listened to. Um, I'm not gonna lie, there was a lot of new songs that I listened to that actually didn't really hit for me. Um, I think probably in the last two weeks. SZA dropped a new song, and SZA's new song hit different. That was really good. I love SZA to death. She actually, I credit SZA with this kind of re- renaissance with the way I listen to music and who I listen to music. I feel like I, after SZA dropped Control, her Control album, I feel like I started to listen to more female artists, more women in music, and just kind of, I felt like I was appreciating and loving more music coming out of the ladies than from the men. Um... Speaking of which, Armani Caesar, female rapper with that's the the first lady of Griselda. Griselda's um, this group of Buffalo rappers. They're they're really good. Griselda is really good, but they're also Griselda Records as opposed to just Griselda the three man group. Um, and Armani Caesar is the first lady of Griselda Records. She's she's the the lady of the group. She be spitting. Um, Griselda's kind of like you you hear their name their name in itself Griselda already sounds pretty gritty pretty grimy I'm pretty sure they get it from yeah Griselda Blanco the Colombian drug lord that yeah so that's where it comes from so yeah they're they they're from Buffalo they're they're east coast gritty they really just be spitting. They just kind of just hit you over the head, bars after bars after bars after bars. And she's the same way. It's just a lot of bars. And I, I sling that stuff to you. And and I, you don't mess with me. I'm going to have to hit you with that thing. Like, it's a whole lot of that. But The Liz is the name of the album by Armani Caesar. It's actually really good. I didn't want to skip a single one of those songs. She has some features from the Griselda Boys, Conway the Machine, Benny the Butcher are both on the on that album and it was really good it, it was pretty solid I, I it kind of took me off talk, took me off guard I kind of just saw it and I recognized her name and I knew that she runs with them so I was like okay of course I'm gonna have to give it a listen because I listen to them whenever they drop something even though I think I've missed Benny's last project I gotta go run back and go listen to that but anything involving Griselda I'm I'm in I'm in and I saw Saw her name, tapped in, and I'm glad I did because it was actually really, really good. And a friend of mine said he can't stop listening to one of the songs on that album. So I'm glad I told him it was it was solid because now he loves it. Um, well, what we just got recently, what we literally just got, which kind of took me off guard. Um, I kind of didn't. I still haven't really even gone over the entire list myself because it's 500. But the Rolling Stones released. Um, the 500 greatest albums of all time, and you know that that's that's pretty big. It's Rolling Stone, so you know that's a pretty big um, what's the word I'm looking for? So a pretty big platform, a pretty big yeah platform, I guess a pretty big platform to 
to put out a list like this, it, it definitely has a certain amount of standing. So I figured I'd, I'd go ahead and tap in a little bit, give you guys maybe the top 50, kind of go over a couple things. I already saw Scrolling to Get to One. I already saw a couple of albums in here. They definitely had supplied with a good amount of rap albums, which, you know, you always don't want to see rap music or the music that black people create in general just being slighted, especially because they've inspired so much music at the same in their own right. Um, so it's just it's certain certain albums you just can't deny. Like it's just certain albums you just can't deny. So you you happy to see some recognition. But number one on the list goes to Mr. Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. Ironically, this is an album that I've been this is an album and an artist that I've been trying to get into more. I know that Marvin Gaye is is one of the best artists of all time, honestly. One of the best singers of all time. So I've been trying to get more and more into him and, and get more familiar with um, his catalog because I already love Marvin Gaye. It's not like I don't love Marvin Gaye. I don't know who he is. Like I love Marvin Gaye and I already have some songs from Marvin Gaye that I definitely love. But just trying to get deeper in it and understand the love that like my parents have for him. And like they're, every time I hear a Marvin Gaye song, I'm just like, man, this is really good. Like I got to make sure I have this on my phone or like things like that. Like I have yet to hear a Marvin Gaye song that I don't like. Um, but yeah, what's going on is number one on the list. I I definitely have no beefs with that because it, it it's oh man, this is this is a, a really really like good album. Like it's it's a crazy good album. Like you have to listen to this album, and I feel like this album is one that you have to listen to like by yourself, like by yourself, headphones in, just like really peacefully, just kind of hone in and lock in and really focus on listening to the album, and it it really hits you. Number two on the list, uh, the Beach Boys, Pet Sounds. I'm not surprised. The Beach Boys is a very good group, and they've, they, I feel like they're very, very known. Um, I was also reading about the album, and it ends up is, is it ends up topping. It was made to top a Beatles album, but also inspired a Beatles album. So I feel like when you're inspiring one of the best groups of all time yourself, like in the Beatles, then that just, that kind of just goes to show your greatness. Like you can't be great and inspire greatness or you can't not be great and inspire greatness like that. Like, so the Beach Boys makes two, um, at three, we have Joni Mitchell with Blue. This is an album I've never heard before, but honestly, even, even having this list like these are the kind of things where you go back and you go see what other people have seen this came out in 1971 so it's got me beat by 28 years you know it makes sense or i'm sorry 26 years so it makes sense that i haven't listened to it number four we have stevie wonder's songs in the key of life also a really really good album and an album that like you see the cover you just hear a couple songs on this album and you just know how good this album really is isn't she lovely sir duke uh village ghetto land all really 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 good songs and that's not even that's just three that's just three of the songs so like also a really really good album totally understand why it makes the top five number five on the list as i just mentioned the beatles the beatles with abbey road Number six, a classic album, both in the music and in the cover, Nirvana's Nevermind. Really, really good album. Smells Like Team Spirit is the, 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 the song on this album. So you already know that it 
it it goes it, it just goes 20 years before i was born we have fleetwood mac releasing rumors and making number seven on the list number eight ooh, i'm sorry I'm, i might have to have a beef and say that i want this higher than eight um prince and the revolution with purple rain really really good album bob dylan makes the list at number nine with uh blood on the tracks which is also a very very good album number 10 we have the miseducation of lauren hill like i said i i absolutely love to see that they actually did incorporate black music in this i'm glad that they didn't try and shun it or try and show no disrespect like and this album definitely should make a top 10 i feel like this album makes a top 10 for so many reasons for the artists that it ends up giving um giving life to on the album we have john legend we have d'angelo we have mary j blige all on the album um getting getting opportunities that will that last them their entire career not to mention we have lauren hill who herself sets a trend sets sets up really a, a platform for women in rap music and in general in music like she she was very headstrong she was very upfront about what she saw and all the bullshit really in the music industry so this album does so much for people that listen to it for people that want to try and recreate it for people that want to create something because of it for people who created something in it like the album just it's still it still is one of the best albums to ever grace this Grace This Earth and is still just like one of the most groundbreaking albums of all time, I believe. I also almost forgot to mention that um, Lauryn Hill makes the first rap album to go ahead and hit the list, making it number 10. So also not too bad on them to have a rap album in the top 10, a little nod to rap, but it kind of does show you like its placement in terms of music. Like, I mean... The other albums kind of deserve to be up there. Like, it's not that Lauryn Hill's album should necessarily be above any of the other ones. It's just the fact that it isn't kind of just shows you. But we'll have plenty more rap albums in this top 50, which I it's 500 of them. So I'm pretty sure I'm only going to go to 50 and I'll be good. At number 11, we have the Beatles again with their Revolver album released in 1966, followed by the first Michael Jackson album on the list. We have Thriller at 12. Now that, that is where you got me. We got a Prince album over a Michael Jackson album. I think that Michael Jackson might probably win out at how many albums. He probably has a, like all of his albums in the top 500, probably in the top 100, honestly. But um, I'm, I'm a little surprised that we don't have a Michael Jackson album in the top 10, that we don't have one in the top five. Um, if you ask me, the greatest artist of all time. So, I mean, I'm a little surprised there, but Michael Jackson at 12 with Thriller finally hits the list. At number 13, we have Aretha Franklin. I never loved a man the way I love you. I'll be honest. Do I know songs on here? Probably. But that I this is an album I haven't... I've never seen this cover before. Um, Yeah, I just... I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, this album's actually gonna like really help me a lot. I'm gonna go listen to a lot of older music, a lot of songs that I probably have never heard and will probably never have heard. 
At number 14, we have the Rolling Stones making their first appearance on the Rolling Stone list at Exile on Main Street. The top 15 is rounded out by another rap album, Public Enemy. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back. And of a, a Public Enemy, that they for sure... They for sure literally like the inspiration for the album, the inspirations by the album, what the album did in its time. Like, I'm not surprised to see Public Enemy on the list, but especially not um, Nation. I think, I think you shortened just Nation. Number 16 is The Clash, London Calling. I don't know much about this album, but I've definitely heard of The Clash as one of the better uh, rock rock groups of all time. Ooh, one of my favorite albums of all time. Number 17 on the list, we have Mr. Kanye West with My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I love this album. I put it in my top three all time probably, but definitely understand it making the top 20. It definitely should. At number 18, we have another Bob Dylan album, Highway 61 Revisited. Bob Dylan, I think, I think from what I've seen, I didn't really keep track, but from what I've seen, I'm pretty sure Bob Dylan has the most most songs in the top 50. A surprise to me, might be a surprise to you guys, number 19 on the list, Kendrick Lamar. Now, not a surprise that Kendrick Lamar is on the list or that he's 19th on the list, but a little bit of a surprise, the album, To Pimp a Butterfly. Now, I love To Pimp a Butterfly, and I, I think I might say that To Pimp a Butterfly is better than Good Kid, Mad City. But I think with artists, it's a little hard to tell sometimes just because that first time you get them, that first taste of like, man, this guy's a superstar. That like the first time you know that you're listening to a superstar. I think that sometimes that kind of trumps when they continue to be a superstar after that. But To Pimp a Butterfly, I think I would probably say is a better album than Good Kid, Mad City. It's just like that feeling that you get the first time you listen to it might resonate a little more with a uh, good kid mad city but Sapimba butterfly makes 19th on the list rounding up the top 20 we have radiohead with kid a an album i've never heard of but radiohead of course i've heard of um bruce bruce springsteen is 21st on the list born to run 22 we have the notorious big ready to die like i said we have a good amount of rap rap albums in the top 25 in the top 50 in general it's pretty pretty solid Next up at 23, we have The Velvet Underground. The album's called The Velvet Underground and Nico. The cover to this album was actually done by Andy Warhol. So, you know, there's different things that that make, like, like the cover. Like, I don't really know The Velvet Underground like that, but I know who Andy Warhol is. So, obviously, a rant Andy Warhol cover is going to gonna boost up the album and kind of speak to either the group or the time. But I, I don't know. I don't know. But they make 23, so it must be pretty good. Uh, the Beatles make a return to the list at number 24 with Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The Beatles are so interesting. The Beatles are just so interesting. I, I love the Beatles. Number 25, rounded out by Carol King with, uh, oh, wow, I can't read. Trapstreet. Trapstreet. I feel like I'm saying that wrong. Tapestreet. Tapestry. Tapestry. Wow, I can't read. I couldn't read Tapestry for two seconds. I can't read. Moving on. <laughs> Number 26 is Patti Smith's album, The Horses. Or not The Horses, just Horses. 
Never heard of it, sorry. Number 27, we have the Wu-Tang Clan with Enter the Wu-Tang, 36 Chambers. Awesome album. Cream, protect your neck. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to F with. Boom, boom. Honestly surprised it didn't make twenty top 25, but hey, it made it. So we cool. 27, Wu-Tang. 28, we have the D'Angelo's Voodoo, which is a very, very good album. 29, we have the Beatles once again with the White Album. I think maybe Bob Dylan and the Beatles tie for the most appearances in the top 50. Number 30, we have Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy, the Jimi Hendrix Experience with Are You Experienced? Um, this cover is dope. The cover to this album is dope. Jimi Hendrix is super dope. I, I'm looking at this and I'm getting like top 30 albums of all time like vibes um one of my personal favorite albums again at 31 we have miles davis's is miles miles davis's <laughs> kind of blue i actually literally listened to this album to go to sleep like this album is really good it's really soothing very calming like i love jazz music but i i listened to so what and i was just chill because so what so what is a, is a song on the album and it's a really it's a long song, but it's also like very smooth, very calming. And I will literally just play that song and be out, out like a light. 32 took me off guard a little bit. 32 on the list, Beyonce makes her first appearance with Lemonade. Pretty nice, pretty nice. Number 33, we have Amy Winehouse with Back to Black. 34, Stevie Wonder makes a return with Inner Visions. 35, The Beatles once again with Rubber Soul, I think. Yeah, I think that the Beatles have like five albums in this top 50, so they might actually have the most. Michael Jackson makes his return. I don't know how we got all the way to 36 without seeing Michael Jackson again. (laughs) But 36, we have Michael Jackson with Off the Wall. The top 36 albums only got two Michael Jackson albums. Sounds like blasphemy to me. Number 37, we have Dr. Dre's The Chronic. Very, very nice. 38, we have Bob Dylan once again, Blonde on Blonde. 39, we have The Talking Heads Remain in Light. Never heard of this, but this cover is so weird. Like, this is a weird, like, it's a weird cover. The the spelling of the the band name, Talking, Talking Heads, it's, they have it, like, upside down, but also, like, kind of backwards, like, it's pretty cool. Um, I I like it. I have to listen to this because this is this looks pretty different. So I can only imagine how it sounds. Like you know, you look at the cover of something and you can only imagine how the music behind it sounds. David Bowie's "The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and Spiders from Mars" also sounds very weird. I'm interested. That's number forty on the list. Forty-one. We have the Rolling Stones with "Let It Bleed." 42, Radiohead makes a return with OK Computer. 43, one of my favorite albums, A Tribe Called Called Quest, The Low End Theory. Very, very good. Very, very nice. Nas's Illmatic makes 44. Prince's Sign Sign O' The Times makes 45 on the list. 46, we have Paul Simon's Graceland. 47, we have The Ramones with Ramones. (laughs) 48, you know, we can't have the uh, top 50 without Bob Marley, Bob Marley's album, The uh, Legend. 49, we got Outcast's 
Aqua Gemini <laughs> or Aquani. Aqua. I actually have never had to say this out loud. So it's ironic that the first time I have to say it is when tens and dozens and dozens and dozens of people are going to be listening to it. But the album by Outkast came out a year after my birth. Aqua Mini. <laughs> I think I've actually heard this album pronounced a lot of different ways, but they were talking about this one and how in a time where you have Master P and Puff Daddy topping the charts, they kind of really came with something different. And the album, the, the everything about them was really just... Um, really about their duality and, and them two matching each other and, and being together. And number 50 on the list, we have Jay-Z's The Blueprint. Um, I would definitely say to, to give the list a, a check out, definitely go through it, skim through it, find some albums, even find some album by some people that you might not have listened to. That album by Outkast, I actually have never really, I've heard songs off of it, but I haven't really given it a full listen. So, you know, this list is going gonna, is gonna to help me and I'm gonna listen to a whole bunch of stuff now because of it. Now let's get into some sports. Let's go ahead and start, you know, you know me, I start pretty pretty light, start pretty, don't go too crazy, don't start into nothing too good, too bad, too soon. I go, I go with the stuff I don't know. Let's go to golf, let's go to golf first. Tiger misses the cut at the US Open. Um, I remember a couple weeks ago he actually called um, called the U.S. Open one of the toughest places to play, and ironically, he kind of showed it, missing the cut at the U.S. Open. By the time we get to our next show, I will be able to tell you who won the U.S. Open, but right now, it's still in progress. Um, in NASCAR, we have Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin coming together to form their own NASCAR team, and Bubba Wallace, the black NASCAR driver, he's actually going to be their first driver. Um, this this is a, comes as a surprise to me. I didn't see this coming at all. Stephen A. Smith has called it called Michael Jordan a pioneer earlier today, actually, because honestly, since the since the pandemic happened, since the NBA and everyone's been getting really really into social justice, Michael Jordan has taken has taken it personally. He has taken it personally. He has taken the steps he has really come to the forefront and really been a pioneer like Stephen A. Smith said he really has been a pioneer and he's really been trying his damnedest putting his money where his mouth is um trying to to make the world a better place he becomes the first black principal owner of a full full-time cup team since hall of famer Wendell Scott was driving his own car from 1961 to 73. Um, he also joins former NBA player, former NBA great Brad Dauntry as the only black owners at NASCAR's elite cup level. So, you know, that's really nice. Hamlin, Denny Hamlin in his own right is a very good, um, excuse me, he's a very good race car driver in his own right. So, you know, the, the team's looking kind of solid. The, they putting together a little some, some, they, they trying at least, you know. Um, moving forward, we go. I figured I'd go ahead and talk about a little bit of UFC. We had UFC Fight Night. I think that was on Saturday. I'm pretty sure that was on Saturday. We'll start at the top. You know, I didn't actually get the chance to watch any of these fights. Actually, I just got to kind of get reactions and highlights. But Fight Night this past Saturday, unfortunately, Colby Covington beat. Um, 
<laughs> Tyron Woodley. I know I'm not supposed to be impar- I'm supposed to be unbiased, I'm supposed to be impartial, but I hate Kobe Covington. I hate Kobe Covington. He's so annoying. He's incredibly annoying. He talks so much. He has so much to say for a guy who got his jaw broken in his last fight and lost his last fight. So much to say. Good for him. Um, Tyron Woodley is looking like looking like the end for him. Looking like he's getting to the end of his career, starting to get. He's, he's had a really good career. He he definitely left his mark and has left his name amongst some of the greats. But it's looking like it's about his time. Looking like he's getting towards the towards the end of his career, honestly. Um, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. He's had a very good career. He's had had over 25 fights in the UFC or as a professional. So good on him. But Kobe Covington takes the the TKO in the fifth round. And then he had plenty to say after the fight as well, calling out woke athletes like LeBron James, even though, and being on the phone with Donald Trump after his fight, wearing a Make, a make, make America Great Again um, hat. But a lot of people are calling it out. Like, I thought that the athletes were supposed to stay in their place. I thought the athletes were supposed to shut up and dribble or shut up and fight, shut up and do your job. And don't talk about politics because it's not your job. But here we are with a, an athlete talking to the president immediately after his fight. That's not separating the two. That is not separating the two in any way, shape, or form. So since Donald Trump can't keep his orange behind out of sports, he probably should keep his mouth shut about athletes who don't like him making their opinions known because of course of course when he's conservative we want to hear the athlete's opinion we want to hear what he has to say oh good on him oh great fight oh i love what you do out there but if they have anything negative to say if they're not saying exactly what the white house is saying then they're a problem they should just shut up and dribble but that's how that's nothing that's not a surprise that's how the conservatives are that that they're extremely it doesn't make any sense. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, you say shut up and dribble. You say stay out of politics. But then here you are literally running into po- running into sports because he loves your politics. Like, make it make sense. Um, the co-main event, the welterweight fight between Cowboy Donald Crowen and Nico Price actually went to a draw. Three-round decision ended up going to a draw. I didn't see the fight, but you hate to see it. And the hottest man in the UFC, honestly, if we're being honest, um, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I wouldn't even fight against the guy. Like I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even ask to fight against the man. Um, Kim, Kim's, I don't even know how to say his name. Um, if I spell it, you probably be like, how do you even say that? Comes it, comes it, I, I tried. Uh, he's a psycho. He's 9-0. I'm pretty sure they're all knockouts. He threw one punch. He knocked this guy out in one punch. Like I'm, I think I'm more in shock remembering the knockout than even trying to say this guy's name. 9-0. I'm pretty sure they're all, all finishes. Not even all knockouts. All finishes. So he either makes you tap or he knocks you out. One punch. He threw one punch. Knocked out in 17 seconds. This dude, this, is, this makes 45 professional fights for this guy. He's 31 and 14 now. You've been in 45 fights and you couldn't... You, this is your 45th fight and one punch just put you to bed? It's time for you to retire. But it also speaks to how good he is. Like one punch and it's a wrap. So the middleweight division is... Ugh. The middleweight division's got a got a dog. 
got a dog coming. Now, next Saturday, we got some some good fights coming as well. My main man, my, one of my favorite fighters in the UFC, probably top three. Top three right now. I would I'd probably write... Probably top two. He's probably right behind uh, John Jones. John Jones is my guy. My favorite fighter in the UFC. I think Israel might have to. Israel Asanya might have to be second on that list. But as I was just saying, middleweights. Israel Asanya, the middleweight champion, is defending his title this Saturday against uh, Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa is literally is, is a freak of nature. He looks like like a monster. Like he looks absolutely terrifying, and his punches also look absolutely terrifying. It looks impossible. To get hit by this guy, like it looks impossible to take a, a few hits from this guy and stand up straight afterwards. So, I think it's going to be an absolutely amazing fight. It's two very powerful forces coming to a head. I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, I haven't seen anything from Israel Azanya to show me he's not going to win this fight. Paulo Costa is great, but he's one of those guys where he's really big, he's really powerful, and it seems like a lot, it's going to take a lot, it's going to, it's a very short list of guys who actually can beat him, so no matter what, he's going to probably always be in contention for a title, because there's not a lot of dudes that can beat him, he'll probably have a lot of streaks in his career, where he's just beating dudes, and he's just finishing fights, just knockouts, um, and that's what he's shown so far, he's shown him, the, he's shown the power, he's shown the technique, um, but Asan, Israel's just kind of been here. He's been here longer, and he's done the same thing. He's shown the, the finishing ability. He's knocked people out. He's made people tap. He's shown the ability to go the, the, the distance and to dominate a fight and really win it and win in a decision. And he knows he, he shows that he has the defense as well. He has a champion's defense to where he's going to protect himself and protect the belt, and he's going to make sure he comes home with it. So I don't know. I just feel like Izzy's going to hold his own and... Costa's going to have to just beat him to death. Like, he's going to have to just attack him and make him get uncomfortable and force him to force him to beat himself or just force him into a loss because I, 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 I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen anything from Izzy to make me think he's going to lose to anyone, really, unless he just gets enti- entirely too cocky. Like, if he fights his fight and he fights his game and he plays his game and, he, and even if he sees something he don't like, I feel like he can work around it. Like, if... If Costa really is a giant monster of a man, he takes a hit that he doesn't like, he's going to avoid him for the rest of the fight. I think that Izzy knows what he's doing, and he's, he, per, per, he prepares for his fights extremely well, so I don't see him really losing this one. But I also wouldn't be surprised, because Paulo Costa kind of seems, he has a little bit of Brock Lesnar to him. Like, he's just so big, he seems a little bit inevitable. Like, he's so big, he's such a, a force especially in a in a fight game like this is, this is the fighting game like you being that big that strong you can't really avoid it you can't really stop him from being that big that strong so as long as he uses it the right way he seems a little bit inevitable um the co-main event light heavyweight bout between dominic reyes and uh john blanchkowitz i think it's blanchkowitz uh, Dominic Reyes is, is 12 and 1. Dominic Reyes is really good, but I, I think Jan's on a, on a hot streak himself. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Jan's 37. They're very even in height and reach. Um, Dominic actually has an inch in height, but Jan has an inch in reach. I think you can kind of throw it up either way. And then this is one of those fights where it's like, I don't really watch the UFC like super extensively, so I'm actually not sure who's, who's supposed to be the guy, who's like, who's the one. I'm pretty sure Dominic Reyes. His one loss is to John Jones. So it's like Dominic Reyes is really, really good. And your only loss is to the best light, light heavyweight of all time. So 
I think they, I think he's kind of making his way to that title as John Jones has um, has um, left and left the light heavyweight division. He's gone to now be a heavyweight. I'm not sure if um, this is for the championship. This might be for the title. I'm not sure. I need to. Uh, this is me not doing doing my research well. This actually might be for the title because I'm pretty sure it's vacant right now. So I. I it's I I think that I might have to go Dominic Reyes maybe, but I think that Jan, I think I'm not sure if it's Jan or John, but I think John, uh, uh, Blankowitz is is on fire and that's why he's in this fight. That's why he's in the co-main event because he's been on fire. He's been beating dudes up. So I think I might have to go John, and the the final final fight for the main card is a lightweight bout between uh, Kai Carr France and Brandon. Royval, I don't really know these guys that much. I might have to go with France because his name's France. Like I don't know the name France sounds cool. Kai, Kai France. I don't, I don't know. I toss up again. I don't really know these guys that well, so I'm gonna go France just cause, just cause. But that, that's my pick. All righty, moving forward, we're gonna go ahead and push the baseball next. Baseball, it's getting, it's getting to that real, real hot point, but that real, real fiery, real, real good point. The, the real good part of the regular season. Playoffs are a week from today, so it's it's now or never. If you're trying to make the playoffs, you're trying to be in there, it's now or never. Um, I'll go over the standings, the magic numbers, the the everything. I'll go over that right now. First and foremost, I wanted to just kind of, it was just one story that kind of caught my eye. Uh, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association have committed $10 million to help fund programs from the Players Allegiance, made up of more than 100 Active and former MLB players aim to increase black American participation in all levels of baseball. It's not a secret that like baseball is a white sport. Like it's not a secret. This is America's sport for real. It, it's as American as racism. Like baseball is 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 the is the white sport. Like we we're very aware of it. Like football is not even the white sport. Baseball is the white sport. And even then. It's, Kind of not even their sport, but any which way, the lack of black participation in baseball is extremely noted by those inside and outside, by the people who watch the sport and people who don't watch the sport. You just know there isn't a lot of black involvement on any level of baseball, whether it's players, coaches, front office, you just owners, like you just know there's not a lot of black people over there. So this is really nice. It's really good to see, even the fact that there is. The Players Alliance, Allegiance, whatever you want to call it, however you want to say it, that that's a start. It goes somewhere. Like, $10 million helps. You have a lot of places, a lot of kids in certain places that don't play baseball because it, it is a little more expensive to play baseball, and it is a little out of reach, and you're expected to play other sports. They ask you if you want to play basketball or football first before they even ask you if you want to play baseball, soccer, tennis, or golf. Like, they're going to ask you basketball or football. So, it's really nice because now it helps to break down those barriers and it helps to... It helps kids some... It helps to where some kid can't say, like, oh, we don't have a baseball team here. Oh, I don't have a glove. Oh, I don't have cleats. The school should be able to provide that because we didn't put thousands of dollars into your school because they don't have a a baseball program but you're in 
Florida, which is a good baseball state, like, for example. So another good example of something being done and strides being made this year in social regard. I said not always social justice, but in social anything like in in society, we're really seeing an effort being made in a lot more places. I'm not going to lie. I want more than 10 million dollars. But it's it's a one time thing. So, you know, there is 10 million right now. It's going to be another 10 eventually, not even eventually, very soon, probably in the next couple of years. It might be another 20. Um, you really do hope it becomes like an annual thing. But even the fact, like I said, the fact that there is a player's allegiance, there are people who are trying to make sure that this does get happen. And it's not just past players, it's current players. It makes a big difference. And it's how things get done. It's how you get things that's how you get the ball rolling. Now, as I said, baseball's playoffs are a week from today. A week from today, the playoffs get started in baseball. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and look over the standings. We have the Red Sox. Oh, no, unless I'm sorry. The White Sox, the Rays, the Oakland Athletics, the Minnesota Twins, the New York Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Padres have all clinched their spots into the playoffs. The Cleveland Indians can clinch their spot in the playoffs with a win today or, either or, if they win or if the Mariners lose to the Houston Astros. Either or clinches their spot, making their magic number one. Big old one. Just a big old one. Um, otherwise, in the American League, the magic number for the Blue Jays to make the playoffs is three. The magic number for the Astros to make the playoffs is four. Um, in the National League, the magic number for the Braves to clinch the playoffs is two. The magic number for the Cubs to clinch the playoffs is two as well. And the magic number for the Marlins to clinch the playoffs is six. The way it's looking, if the playoffs were to start today... Um, best of three series. We have four series because there's eight teams making the playoffs this year in baseball. It would be the Rays versus the Blue Jays, the White Sox versus the Indians, the Astros versus the Athletics. I said that backwards. And the Twins versus the Yankees. Ironically, for the American League, the Twins versus the Yankees is the only non-divisional matchup. All the other three matchups are all divisional. Those are all teams that play in the same division and see each other a lot during the year anyway. So they got plenty of film, plenty of tape, plenty of games played against each other already. In the American League, if the playoffs ended were to start today, it'd be the Dodgers versus the Phillies, the Cubs versus the Reds, the Braves versus the Cardinals, and the Padres versus the Marlins. Now, the Padres haven't made the playoffs in 14 years. The Twins have a 16-game losing streak in the playoffs. And the Oakland Athletics have already clinched their division. They have clinched the AL West, which no other team has clinched their division already. With some teams, with some divisions, not even having a single team clinch into the playoffs, which is a little funny, if you ask me. Now, with this only being one more week left in the playoffs, I would say that it's pretty safe that the Tampa Bay Rays have probably clinched their division. Um, yes, I think it's pretty safe with four, with the Yankees being four and a half games back. They've been on fire. They were on fire. I think they won ten straight, either eight or ten straight games. They lost their last two, but um, they've been on fire. After after all the mess I was talking about them, they've definitely turned it all the way around. They have caught fire, and um, right at the right time, because 
the Blue Jays kind of cooled off their four and six in the last 10 games. So they cooled off right on time for the Yankees. Yankees went ahead and vaulted them. They're already clinched into the playoffs, already clinched, probably going to be uh, already clinched to be a top four seed. Um, Otherwise, in the American League, we have, like I said, the Twins and the White Sox already haven't made the playoffs. The Twins are a game and a half behind the White Sox, so they have they have potential in this last week to really catch up and um, and catch the White Sox and maybe take the division. Oh, that, that's a big swing. You know, you want home field advantage in the playoffs as well. Um. Otherwise, in the American League, honestly, it's looking like we might have our eight teams already. It's looking looking pretty sure that we have these eight teams unless we have a huge collapse by the, 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 the Blue Jays or the Astros. It's looking like we have our eight teams in the American League. The Rays, White Sox, the A's, the Twins, the Yankees, the Cleveland Indians, Toronto, and the Houston Astros are looking like our eight teams that are going to make the playoffs in the American League. Now... In the National League, it gets a lot tighter. It, it's it is looking it oh the National League is looking like the wild wild west for sure because it's anything's in the card when it comes to those final um those final spots in the playoffs in the divisions not so much with the Dodgers Cubs and Braves all leading their divisions by at least four games in the last week it's pretty unlikely that they wouldn't win their division. The Padres have, have been red hot. The Padres have been a very good team all year but they just lost I'm pretty sure they just lost two games out of three to the Dodgers so it's looking like the Dodgers have, are, have held strong the Dodgers Cubs and Braves are more than likely to clinch their divisions so at some point early on in this week probably but you never know in baseball you really never know and you never know who's going to just take a slide at a random time it, you lose three straight games and that four game lead turns into three or I'm, I'm sorry that four game lead turns into one and it, things get a little, a little more shaky. But in terms of making the playoffs, so far only the Padres and Dodgers have clinched officially into the playoffs. You have other teams that will be clinching very soon. But meanwhile, we have the Giants and the Milwaukee Brewers both a half game behind the Dodgers to make the playoffs and one game behind the Reds and Cardinals to make the playoffs. So, you know, it, it's tight between the four seed. I'm sorry, the five seed between the five seed and the 10 seed in baseball is a one and a half games. So as I'm telling you that four games is still still not exactly enough to say, oh, no, we're good. We got it. We have nothing to worry about. We still have to win our games. Imagine a one and a half game lead like these games are tight. These games are serious. These games are real. The Marlins, Cardinals, Reds, Phillies, Brewers, and Giants are all seriously, seriously still fighting for a playoff spot. Even the Rockies. The Rockies are two and a half games out. The Mets are three games out. Those two teams have not been playing very good baseball this year, so you don't really think they're going to come up and somehow make the playoffs. But... Hey, I'm saying that these other teams haven't clinched their divisions. Just imagine these guys pulling off something like the Phoenix Suns pulled off for the basketball and nearly making the playoffs. You never know. It's it's every it's any given Sunday mentality. They, 
it you, you really never know you you gotta watch you have to watch out for anybody because anybody can get you on any day um the Cleveland Indians have been looking have been looking really good this season they've been using their great pitching pitching to push them forward Shane Bieber is having an MVP caliber season as a as a pitcher Jose Ramirez is catching fire right on time he hit his fifth home run in five games this past Monday and in the month of September which we're only three weeks into September he has nine home runs 19 RBIs he has he's hitting 381 batting average and on base percentage of over 1.3 this month balling balling the Reds have finally woken up offensively one of the best rotations in baseball but they've had a subpar offense throughout the entire year they're finally above 500 and they're averaging five runs in their last nine games they're eight and one in their last nine games Justin DeGrom doing DeGrom DeGrom things one of the best pitchers in the league the Cy Young multiple time Cy Young winner strikes out 14 guys allows two runs in seven innings that's really good if you don't watch baseball that's really good on most nights a guy does that and his team wins however he plays for the Mets so they lost (laughs) bad news in baseball we have um, closer for the Blue Jays Ken Ken Giles? I'm pretty sure it's Giles. Ken Giles and Justin Verlander, starting pitcher for the Houston Astros, both out for the rest of the season, possibly out for next year, even parts of next year for sure, as they both are getting Tommy John surgery, which is a common elbow surgery in in baseball. It's it's really bad. It's 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 really, really bad. It's really hard to come from or come back from. It's kind of like an Achilles injury uh, for, for basketball players. Once you get it, it's kind of like, ugh. That might be it. We gotta really watch him because I might. That might be it. And you really have to, you really have to be sure that you bring them back slowly because you bring them back too fast and you really risk them getting hurt even more. Moving forward, let's go ahead and get into football. Before we get into the National Football League, we have a little bit of uh, college football news. Deion Sanders is going to go ahead and coach Jackson State. They haven't had a winning season since 2013, but prime time is looking to change that. Primetime is is a great, great football mind, great football player. So something to be looked out for. You know, the team hasn't been hasn't been good for a minute. He might turn it around. We'll, we'll just have to see. Um, but congratulations to Dion. Otherwise, um, the NFL, we have week two. I I don't even really want to get into it. Like this this has been a terror it's been it was some good football play this week. It was you know, another week in football, but there's a lot of injuries, man. It's, it's really heart-wrenching. Like, it's really ugly to see. You just don't. Like, injuries are a part of the game. We all know that. But it's just, it really sucks. It just really sucks. Um, it was halftime during the, yeah, it was halftime during the Sunday night football game. And Adam Scheffler's on the halftime show, and he's saying that there's already been seven torn ACLs. Or they have about, I think, like, they, some of them weren't confirmed. But even the ones that were, counting the ones that were unconfirmed, which I think we have confirmed to be torn ACLs, seven torn ACLs by that point in just this one week. And we still had to play the second half of that game and play the Monday night game. Seven torn ACLs. Adam Scheffler's been doing his job for a very long time. He's been, the NF, he's been working with the NFL. He's been the NFL insider. He's been the guy for the NFL for a very long time. And he said 
he is he cannot remember a week where he remembers this many torn ACLs. And then we got two more in the second half of that game, bringing the total to nine, at least nine torn ACLs in one week. Absolutely heart wrenching. And that wasn't even all the injuries. Just absolutely heart wrenching. And just oh, just you just really hate to see it. And there's been a lot of talk, whether it's um, the lack of a preseason. Obviously, this, with the circumstances, we didn't have preseason for this NFL season. But um, someone's, there's been talks about whether or not the players needed the preseason to really play. Um, and they've, they've kind of cooled that off a little bit. They've said that, A, if that was the case, we would have seen similar things and we would have seen... Um, We'd have seen similar results from week one. I thought that week one had a good amount of injuries in its own right, but apparently it wasn't like an alarming rate of injuries. And also someone made a good point that players like Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, there are certain players who wouldn't play a lot during the preseason anyway. So, I mean, they wouldn't be much of a tune-up. It wouldn't be much practice. Like, it wouldn't be much, much more, much more preparation they could have had because they would have barely played in the preseason anyway. Especially with a lot of players, they have off-season surgeries or they have an injury history. They were hurt last year. You just want them to be healthy. You want them to be fresh going into the season anyway. So um, someone was saying that with these this many soft tissue injuries, that it, it, it seems more random than anything. Not really uh, pointing at them, not having a preseason. Not to mention, like I said, week one would have more injuries. And I think they said that they the lockout shortened season or there was a they have data previously that lets them know that the preseason isn't really them not having a preseason is what's really causing this um but yeah let's go ahead and get into the week a little bit we had some uh some corona fines coaches and teams have been fined and are going to continue to be fined because the coaches are not wearing their mask enough they're saying that the coaches are taking off their mask too much or that they're not putting them back on in a timely fashion and not like one coach was like hey we got to communicate and i'm sure the league's gonna tell them that's cool you have to communicate but we're still in the midst of a pandemic right now. So we're trying to give you guys football and let you guys do your job. That's cool. But Corona is still happening. And we're on national TV. Like there are millions of people watching you. And we're having all this debate about masks and things like that. We cannot have you guys on national TV over and over purposely not wearing your mask or for long periods of time not wearing your mask when we're trying to get everyone in the world to do that. It's just not right. So even with everyone being tested, even with everyone in that vicinity not supposedly supposed to have coronavirus you still don't want to take any risk you still want to you have protocols we have policies you have to follow them so um nick van nick fangio the coach for the denver broncos pete carroll the coach for the seattle seahawks and kyle shanahan the coach for the 49ers were each fined a hundred thousand dollars yeah you don't want to wear a mask a hundred thousand dollars out of your pocket these are millionaires so we're not going crazy but Still, still a, a, a fat sum of money. And also, $250,000 was fined from each team. So that's over a million dollars worth of fines. And they're not done. They definitely said they're not done. Because those fines came, at a, like I said, at halftime during the um, Seahawks-Patriots game. That came at halftime. So they were saying that on Monday, uh, John, Gruden, John Gruden felt like last week's warning was about him. So he's probably going to get hit with a fine. And... They were saying that Pete Carroll, obviously, he, I don't know if he learned his lesson. I don't know if he knew about the fine before the game, but that's already over a million. They said they're not done. 
So they're not playing about Corona. They you gonna have to wear that mask. You have to wear it right now. Um, let's go ahead and get into some games. We had a, a lot of a lot of really good games. I'll go ahead and start on the Thursday game, Cleveland versus Cincinnati. The Browns looked better than they did uh, in the first game this this year. Obviously, playing against the Ravens, the Ravens were the best regular season team last year. So I think it's a little hard to beat to. It's a little hard to judge the Browns off that week one because they're playing against the best team in the regular season. Like, like technically, the Ravens are the best team in the league. Like Loki, like obviously the the Chiefs are the champions, but like based off of that regular regular season they had last year, and like they're bringing back the same team, if not more experienced, just like just better, really. They are technically like the best. They're the best regular season team in the league. So hard to kind of judge the Browns for that. They definitely look better. Um, with that said, let's not overreact. Baker Mayfield plays his best football against the Bengals, so let's not let's not overreact. It's just one week, just like the Ravens was just one week. This is just one week, a good one and a bad one. Let's see what he has for us next week. He's playing uh, the Browns play against the Washington football team, so that's a young rebuilding team. That front that front line is to be is to be worried about though. So if they can get to Baker, he might be in trouble and he might he might have a bad week. But uh Joe Burrow looks really good. He he looks really nice. They're gonna have to get some playmakers around him though. They're gonna have to supply him with some protection and some playmakers because Joe Burrow is really good and he's the kind of quarterback that can definitely carry you to some wins and and, and take your team to some wins, but you gotta supply him with, with some with a little more. I think um Tyler Boyd, AJ, AJ Green, Joy Mixon. They got a good offense. Their offense isn't like awful, but that line has to protect him, just like every line in the NFL. That line has to protect Joe Burrow. And AJ has to stay healthy and to be there for him. And yeah, they they just gotta keep on providing. Um, I, the tight end, I, I'm I, I'm blanking on his name. CJ CJ Uzama, I think. CJ Uzama, he tore his Achilles in that game, actually. So that's another injury this week. Uh, the Bengals hope to catch their first win. Joe Burrow hopefully looking for his first win of his career versus Philly next week. Philly also trying to get their first win of the season. They've been struggling. Uh, oof, this is a rough, rough game. We'll get into the Sunday games. Uh, we'll get into the, the, the ugly one first. The 49ers beat the Jets 31 to... 31 to 13. Um, if you're the 49ers, this is the worst kind of win you can have. The 49ers were already without George Kittle, Debo Samuel, D. Ford, and Richard Sherman, and it didn't get any better. Nick Bosa tore his ACL, Solomon Thomas tore his ACL, um, Jimmy Garoppolo with a, a, a ankle sprain. They said he might be able to play next Sunday. Um, Raheem Moster, Moster, or Mostaf. Moster, I think, and uh, Telvin Coleman both out for a couple of weeks with knee injuries. So, man, for a team that just went to the Super Bowl and, and a team that a lot of people were picking to possibly come back to the Super Bowl, this is a terrible way to start the year because that, that, it seemed like every good player on their team just got hurt. It seemed like every notable player, every guy that you can like, that comes to your mind when you think 49ers is hurt right now. Like, it's crazy. And they still win by 18 because the Jets still stink. The Jets are just awful everywhere. They're just terrible. <laughs> um, the hot seat was already hot for Adam Gase, the coach of the the Jets, but somehow it keeps getting hotter. Like I don't, I don't know if he, I don't think he survives the year. I think he gets fired before the year ends. But 
Hopefully the Jets can turn around. I, I'm, I think they might play the Dolphins next. But the Jets and Dolphins is always two bad teams going at it and both two bad teams trying to take the momentum from playing a bad team to the rest of the, rest of the year and trying to be a little more resilient. Uh, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say for the Jets. They just stink. <laughs> next up from football Sunday, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Carolina Panthers. The Bucks will take the win 31-17. Uh, Tampa Bay's defense for sure showed up. They had uh, four takeaways. Leonard Fournette with a beast of a game. Um, over 100 yards, two touchdowns on 12 touches. That's just sick. That's just sick. I can't believe the Jags even let him go. Like, that's just stupid. That's just sick. 100 yards and two touchdowns on 12 touches? That's really nice. Um, the Carolina Panthers defense wasn't able to get to Tom Brady. No sacks in that game at all. Tom and the wide receivers, Tom Brady and the, the Tampa Bay offense were given ample time and opportunity to try and get on the same page, take another week to, excuse me, gain that camaraderie and really try and learn each other and, and, and really get together. Tom admitted that the defense has been great for two weeks now and the offense has to, has to, has to match it. The Panthers were already in danger this season, starting 2-0, and and their quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, who's not necessarily turnover prone. He's not a mistake prone quarterback. He's he's proven that that he's a pretty 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 good at avoiding mistakes as a quarterback. Whether it's fumbles or interceptions, just avoiding mistakes. And now you add that Christian McCaffrey is gonna be out for a couple of weeks. This season might be a wash for the Panthers. This this is not this is not what you want in a year where you already have Tampa Bay and New Orleans in your division. You got Tom Brady and Drew Brees in your division already. You don't really want to... Like, they got luck. They, they, luckily, Tampa Bay and... Tampa Bay and the Saints have both already lost. So, they're only a half game behind them. They're right behind them. But starting out 2-0 is just not, not a good look. One of the surprise games, a game that you might have started and just turned off. Like, I actually saw a friend of mine who's a... A Cowboys fan. He was watching the game. He saw the way it started, and he was out. Dallas uh, versus Atlanta. Dallas takes the the come from behind win, forty to uh, thirty nine. They looked absolutely terrible. Dallas looked horrible early. Um, they looked terrible. They just looked awful. They were giving the ball up, turnovers, uh, three and outs. They just looked. Their offense looked absolutely disgusting. The entire first quarter, the entire beginning of the game. Just absolutely awful. Um, but they turned it around. They definitely turned it around. They played an amazing second half. Dak Prescott played a played quite a game. He had himself a game. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of got the feeling that these are two bad teams kind of just playing bad. Like, the Falcons did their classic thing, and the Cowboys did their classic thing. The Cowboys kind of just came out really, really flat, came out really bad. And I think against most teams, if they came out, if they started that game... Their first five possessions, even first six, their first six possessions. If they start a game like that against most teams or yeah, against most teams, honestly, against a lot of other teams, I feel like they don't ever get back into this game. The Falcons, for all intents and purposes, should have went up by 30 in the first quarter, but they did it. And the fact they didn't go up by 30 in the first quarter is why they end up losing. They should they only end up scoring 39 points. They should have had 30 points in the first the first half of the first quarter. They should have had 30 points, but they they didn't and it's those kind of times like you wonder okay we're up by 20 the coach maybe doesn't make an aggressive decision 
and you kind of miss it later. They end up coming back and beating you by one point. You wonder, maybe I should have went for a touchdown instead of a field goal on that one play. Like, different things like that. Maybe I should have went for it instead of punting it on that one play because we were up by 20-something. I thought we were good. Um, another come, another huge comeback win on the Falcons. It's very reminiscent of the Super Bowl they lost. And, it, it, you know... The, the Falcons went 7-9 and nine their last two seasons. And despite that, they kept their coach. They kept their, their GM. And uh, they might not be keeping their job to finish this season. Because uh, you, you haven't had a winning season in two years. The last time we did have a winning season, you got absolutely blown through in the Super Bowl. You, had a, you gave up that comeback. And now this? It, it's looking ugly down there in Atlanta. Um... The Cowboys pull off a really good one, despite a lot of things, despite the early struggles and despite not having uh, Ty- Tyron, Tyron, I almost said Tyrod, Tyron Smith. Um, Tyron Smith hurt his neck in practice before the game. And uh, the Cowboys have a league high nine players on the IR. So they're there without a lot of dudes. So that, that's a big injury on top of that. But this is a big win for them to get on top of nine dudes on the IR and one of the best offensive linemen in the game being hurt. Next up, we have the Steelers versus the Broncos. The Steelers taking the win 26 to 21. Denver's too young of a team for too many mistakes and injuries. Injuries seems to have gotten to them. Uh, Drew Locke is hurt. He's going to be out. He got, he hurt his shoulder. He's out for three to seven or three to five weeks. Uh, Cortland Sunnigan tore his ACL. He's out for the season. He's an absolute great story. He he came out of nowhere, it feels like, last year, and he was absolutely stupendous. You expected a really good year out of him, especially putting him with Drew Locke. And now, you know, it's just really, really sad to see. It really sucks. Denver's had eight story has Well, assuming that Jeff Driscoll will be taking, getting the start next Sunday, Denver will now have eight starting quarterback eight different starting quarterbacks and five different offensive coordinators in five years since Peyton Manning retired in 2015. Now, um, the Steelers' defense was looking extremely stout, looking really good in the first half. Um, there was really no protection from the the offensive line in Denver. The Steelers, got, the Steelers got seven sacks in that game and 18 other hits. So that's 25 hits total. 25 hits on the quarterback? They were eating that boy up, but still, they only won that game by five, and it it got it got a little a little close at the end of the at the end of the game too, despite how good their defense was playing. Um, Big Ben admits uh, he's got to trust his guys on offense a little more. The offense is still finding its way. He's just trying to be in rhythm and trying to trust them a little more because he admitted it. The guys were in the right spot. They were getting open. I just got to put the ball where they are because they're getting there. I just, I just have to trust they're going to get there. Moving forward, we have Baltimore versus Houston. Oh, I guess I didn't really say this. But when it comes to football, I usually watch Red Zone every Sunday so that I can kind of catch every game. And this year I've been doing fantasy football as well. So um, I kind of watch Red Zone so I can kind of catch all the games. I know you miss a lot. You miss a lot of, like, in-between plays. But I like Red Zone because you get to watch, like, every game, really. You get to see every game and you get to kind of understand how things are going. Even they show you, like, the bad drive. They show you when... They tell you when someone has a three and out, they show you like, oh, they're punting in, punting again. Let me show you why. Like, um, like I said, Baltimore versus Houston. Baltimore takes the win, thirty-three to sixteen. I really do feel bad for Houston. 
Um, they're already struggling. They already were. We were kind of expecting them to kind of struggle coming out of the gate, but to have to play against the defending champions and, like I said, the best re- regular season team of last year, the team that put you out of the playoffs last year, really tough. Really, really tough uh, first two games for Houston. Uh, the run, the run game, and the defense for Baltimore took them to this win. Lamar doesn't score multiple touchdowns in a game for the first time in nine games, which I mean that speaks to Lamar. He's always just balling like that. He's, he's always getting more than one touchdown. But um, yeah, they, I think that that that's really good for Baltimore. That proves that the defense and the running game, kind of like what Tennessee did last year in the playoffs, kind of shows you that, that, hey, we don't need our quarterback. We we have an MVP over here, but we don't need the MVP to have an MVP game to win. And that's that's really good. And that's what you want to see in case, you know, in case they do game plan for just Lamar. If they say, we're not going to let Lamar beat us today. Well, guess what? The defense is going to hold you to 16 points and we're going to run all over you. And it ain't going to be Lamar running. We're going to have uh, Mark Ingram with... 30-yard runs on a direct snap. Like, what's up? Um, Houston really is just trying to figure it out. They're trying to figure out their offense. They got a new running back. They got a new run, uh, number one wide receiver who hurt his hamstring in, in that game, ended up getting no targets. And Deshaun Watson continues to be one of the worst protected um, quarterbacks in the league. They paid him. Now they got to spend some money on his offensive line and make sure they actually want to protect him, protect your investment. Because I feel like he's been getting absolutely obliterated ever since he's been getting into the league. Ever since Deshaun Watson has been in the NFL, he has not been protected at all. They need an offensive line makeover bad. They need a trade for somebody, some. They need a new offensive line coach, everything, all of it. Moving forward, Green Bay versus Detroit. The Packers take the win 42-21. to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. Balling. Just too tough. Honestly, Aaron Jones is trying to get paid. Aaron Jones is making it tough on the Packers. The Packers got to make some money decisions. And uh, Aaron Jones is looking like he don't have to get paid because that ball, that boy was balling. The Lions lose a double-digit lead for the fourth straight game. And this is their 11th straight loss, dating back to the last season. They started this game out 14-3. They were looking good to start this game. Gave up 31 straight points before they scored again. I don't know. Something's got to change, if you ask me. If you, I, I think something's got to change uh, down in Detroit. Maybe it has to be Stafford. Maybe Stafford got to get. They got to get some fresh blood in there. Um, I think Stafford is a, is, a, is a. He's not the greatest quarterback, but I think he's a little bit underrated. I feel like they don't give him enough credit because of how bad the Lions are. But the Lions are pretty bad, so I guess you kind of. It's understandable to me. I don't think they're necessarily super bad because of him. I feel like their wide receivers, their wide receiving core has gotten a lot better, but it hasn't, it has, like since Megatron, I think it just got better. Their defense has been very whatever. Their running game has been very whatever. They've been trying to figure these both of those things out for a very long time. So I, I feel like they, they just need a culture switch. And the defense, is, especially, like I think the, the defense has surprised me about how bad it is, considering they got the defensive coordinator, uh, Matt Patricia, from the Patriots. When the Patriots were having a super good top five, top three defense in the league. They got Matt Patricia, so he knows how to coach a top defense. It's just a matter of actually having one. Uh, Devontae Adams, another injury. He hurt his hamstring in that game. Very disappointing. Uh, The Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins. 31-28 with the Bills taking the win. I'm pretty sure the Dolphins scored at the end of that game to make the score look better than it was, but I'm pretty sure that game wasn't ever really that close. 
Um, the Bills looking scary on both sides of the ball. The Bills defense was already stout. The Bills defense has been good for like 60 years, it feels like. <laughs> it feels like the Bills defense has always been good unless they have a bunch of injuries. But now that offense, boy, Josh Allen was already a deep ball threat. He's already one of the best deep throwers in the league. He already has his number. He already had a really good wide receiver that he had a really good relationship with in John Brown, who's a beast. He's a boss out there. Um, but now you add Stefan Diggs, and it's like, because <laughs> they already have Singletary in the backfield. They added the rookie Moss to the single uh, to the backfield, so their 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 running backs are solid. Their running backs can can make it can make it work, and they can catch the passes out there too. And now you have some some dogs to catch that ball. Um, Stefan Diggs with a great game. He had eight catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. And honestly, they were making it sound like. Um, it was very similar to Terrell Owens being added to the Eagles and um, Stefan Diggs being added to the Bills. And that's crazy good. That's a really good... I mean, if he can be even half of what T.O. was for the Eagles, then whew, the Bills, the Bills might, have to, might have to take the um, division this year. They might have to... The, the Patriots' streak might be in danger. And that's the game I really want to see. I want to see the Patriots versus the Bills because I think that's that this year is finally the year that we get that game to be... That game, that game's always really good. It's always really competitive. But I think that this year might be the year the Bills kind of show that they're not the little brother anymore. For the Dolphins, they don't look... I'm not even going to say they don't look too bad. They're they looking kind of bad. But it definitely feels like they... It, it doesn't feel like they're too far away from contending for at least the division. Like making some noise, contending every week. It, it doesn't feel like they're too far away. It, it certainly seems that they're a year, maybe two years away from competing. Uh, moving forward, we have the Colts versus the Vikings. <sighs> the Colts taking that W, 28-11. to 11. The Vikings were looking absolutely ugly. Uh, the Vikings already have seven new starters on defense. Anthony Barr goes on the IR after this game with a torn pectoral. So, ugh, the defense is in a rebuild for sure. They're, they're, they're moving pieces. But the offense has to provide something. I know you lost Stephon Diggs, but you still got Adam Thielen. You still got Kirk Cousins. You still got Dalvin Cook. Come on. The offense couldn't get anything going. Um, besides Thielen, there's, there's, Thielen seems, uh, Adam Thielen seems like they're only a receiver. I don't even know who else is, plays receiver over there. And I haven't heard Dalvin Cook's name all year. I had him in fantasy last year, so I know he was balling last year. Last year, he came out of the gate looking really good, but so far, he's, he's been struggling. Um, Kirk Cousins was just awful while the Colts defense was looking nasty. Uh, Colts defense added um, Buckner this year to their defensive line, and they got Darius Leonard back after being hurt last year. They got three picks, three sacks, and only held the Minnesota offense to 175 yards. That's a great day for the defense. Uh, Jonathan Taylor looking really good on offense for Indy. He's It looks like Indiana's going to have their second straight year of having a rookie running back just run all over the league because Marlon Mack was balling last year. Really sad to see him get hurt this year with a torn Achilles, but they got another really good rookie, another player who I thought, I'm surprised he didn't go higher in the draft because I just knew he was going to be good. I knew Jonathan Taylor after that absolutely illustrious, absolutely spectacular career at Wisconsin as a running back, there was no way he wasn't going to come to the league and provide results. Like, I can't believe he didn't go higher. Uh, moving forward in the same in a couple of uh, division rivals, 
the Titans versus the Jaguars, a pretty close game. The Titans hold strong, winning this game 33-30. to Jaguars' defense is, is, is looking pretty blech. The, the, the defensive line is for sure um, missing... Uh, uh, man, I, forget, I always mess up his name. Uh, Okagu? I think it's Okagu. But he went to go play for Minnesota. Minnesota struggling on defense. Jaguars struggling on defense. What the hell? <laughs> Only two sacks in two games. The, the Jaguars' defense is supposed to be stout. They've been good for, for quite a bit, but only two sacks in two games? That's not going to get it done. They made a pretty good effort to slow down uh, Derrick Henry. He only had 80, I think he only had 88 yards. Uh, he, had a, he had at least 80 yards on 20-something carries, so they definitely slowed him down, but it just meant that uh, Ryan Tannehill got to go to work on that defense. He threw for um, four touchdowns. He was having, a, having a, quite a day. On defense, Tennessee was struggling just a little bit. Um, the Jaguars' offense was certainly clicking. They had 480 yards on offense. Minshew Magic was going stupid. He was Garner Minshew was balling, but he came up short. A tipped pass, resulting in an interception, sealed the game for Tennessee. Moving forward, we have the Bears playing against the Giants. This game was a little weird. This is a weird game. The Bears pull out the win, 17 to 13. They're now 2-0, but they're pretty lucky. They played a terrible second half on both sides of the ball. Um, the Giants, pff, you, you really do feel bad for the Giants. Um, the Giants losing Saquon Barkley and, um, yeah, Saquon Barkley to a torn ACL. They also lost Sterling Shepard to a toe injury. So the offense loses two very key contributors and proceeds to somehow stay in the game. <laughs> They still end up having a... Daniel Jones leaves a pretty good drive for the Giants, but ends up falling short. Obviously, they need a touchdown instead of a field goal. End up falling short on the final drive. Makes it four straight years now that they've gone 0-2 to start the year. Seven of the last eight years, the Giants have been 0-2 to start the year. But like I said, the Bears are really lucky. With the injuries to the Giants, the Bears still score no points on the, in the second half and almost lose on the last play. Very, very lucky. And next week, the luck might be continuing. They play Atlanta next week. Atlanta, they they might be reeling from that comeback they just gave up, but Atlanta puts up points, something that Chicago has been struggling to do. So let's see if their luck might run out. Next up, we have the Rams versus the Eagles. The Rams went ahead and ran it on up. <laughs> they had 37 points on the Eagles to the Eagles 19. The defense for the Eagles looking looking kind of sad. And the offense is looking a little scary too. The Philly Philly finally prote- decides they want to protect their quarterback. They improve their offensive line and Carson Wentz isn't taking advantage. And he might be a little bit in trouble this year. They definitely drafted Jalen Hurts. There's there's I mean it's only week two, so it's not like you're gonna bench a guy for two weeks, but they're, they're definitely, he's getting better protection than he has in a couple of years. So you need Carson Wentz to take advantage of that and to, to carry the offense. Speaking of offense, the Rams offense is back in action. Jared Goff made it, uh, was perfect on his first 13 throws, spreading it to everybody. They had um, six different players run the ball, seven different players catch the ball. And they're going to need that momentum as they're running into a Bills team that has a lot of momentum in their own right and a Bills defense that is definitely very stout. So... It's going to be two pretty good teams running into each other, but it looks like the Rams of the Rams that went to the Super Bowl look like they back, at least on offense, that is. A little time for an I told you so. 
the Arizona Cardinals take a dub against the Washington football team, 30-15. to 15. Their offense is looking absolutely beautiful. They, their offense is hitting a stride. Kyler Murray looks like an MVP candidate. Maybe not this year, but next year for the future. He's for, maybe not this year with the other quarterbacks in this league, but he's definitely looking really good. He's putting together a good year through the air and on the ground. Um, and they, they got two, two not-too-bad games ahead of them. They got the Carolina Panthers and the Detroit Lions as their next two games on the schedule. So, you know, the Cardinals looking good, and they, look like they, might, have to, they might be able to keep it rolling. Um, a little sad for the Washington football team. You know they're already in a rebuild. You know the season's going to kind of already be a wash for them. They're going to kind of be looking to see. They're going to be kind of weeding out players, seeing who's here to stay and who's kind of just here. A really good game, um, one of the afternoon games on Sunday, the Char- L.A. Chargers versus the Chiefs. The Chiefs taking the W 23-20. Um, Justin Herbert gets the start after Tyrod Taylor randomly gets a chest injury his chest kind of just started hurting and he couldn't really play um Justin Herbert gets a start he actually opened the game very well played well throughout the game he definitely showed his rookiness he had a couple rookie mistakes but he played really well played a really good game against the champions and so did the Chargers defense the Chargers defense held up extremely well playing against the defending champions and I mean I think that Herbert showed a lot of potential and if the Chargers aren't if the Chargers offensively aren't looking too good and they're looking a little a little sluggish, then Herbert might be able to take that job from Tyron uh, Tyrod Taylor. But the fact that Tyrod Taylor was a starter coming into the season, I think it's obvious that whatever he was doing in practice, they like whatever he's doing for the team, they like and he's he's commanding them the way they want. So it's still his job until further notice. I think for the the Chargers, this is the kind of game that you wanted. They they defensively they played the kind of they played their game. They played their game, and the, they didn't play up to the Chiefs. They didn't try and go crazy on offense and try and score a whole bunch of points because you know the Chiefs can put up a whole bunch of points. They just kind of did their jobs on both sides of the ball. And I mean, you had a rookie quarterback. It happens, but they did their best the best they could. And you know, just when you thought it thought it couldn't get any worse, um, you when you thought the Chiefs couldn't get any better. The, their kickers hit in 70s. Before the game, they report the Chiefs kicker reportedly hit a 67-yard kick. At halftime, they said he hit a 70-yarder. A 70-yard kick? That's crazy. But he ends up hitting the game winner for the Chiefs, and they take the victory. We had a classic, a classic, classic game for Sunday night. We have we had the um, New England Patriots going down to Seattle or going up to Seattle, I should say. To play the Seahawks, however, they would not be able to come away with the win despite getting all the way to the goal line. It came down to the last play, but the Seahawks take the win, thirty-five to thirty. I feel like whenever the whenever these two teams meet, it's a classic. It's always a great game. Obviously, the Super Bowl, but I just feel like whenever these two teams link up, whenever these two teams meet up, it's 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 a quite a day. It's 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 great football. Uh, Russ Russell Wilson is looking dangerous dangerous for sure he kills the pats every time he's a baller he he's a baller and he has he he's not he's not afraid of the moment he's most certainly not afraid of the patriots he's not afraid of their dynasty he's not afraid of their defense he's not afraid of anybody um so far in this season russ has nine touchdowns in a pick with that pick being from a drop pass but the quarterback on the other side was also doing doing his thing cam newton was carting up carving up the the banged up defense of of the Seattle Seahawks, it just feels like the offense is is still is still 
not at its not quite at form. Like the offense looked good for the Patriots towards the end. They started to started. They didn't start the game exactly that great, but they finished it a lot better. But you kind of even with the Patriots, you just know that the ship isn't all the way there. You just know that it gets a little tighter. Things just hit a little better. Conditioning even even um, it seemed like the the receivers for the Patriots were a little tired towards the end. And the play call was very interesting. If if you watched um, the Raiders game, the Raiders ran a play towards the end of their game. Their, I believe there was their last touchdown, the, the touchdown that kind of iced the game. From It was a goal line touchdown to Darren Waller. I, that that play, they kind of had the, the box stacked up. They had the whole team stacked up to do a run. I believe it was two running backs and three tight ends on the, on the field. But they ended up faking. The, they did a play action run, and Waller was idle, wide open for a pass. I thought the Patriots should do the exact same thing. I think you just... Whether it's a tight end or or a wide receiver, you run you run a set like you're about to run the ball, but do a play action and throw that thing up because they're they're expecting the run. You've been running the ball well all day. They haven't really been able to stop Cam, but you know they're gonna put all their eggs into that basket because they haven't been able to stop you. So even if you run a bootleg and have Cam kind of run to the outside and try and run it in, I mean either or, I feel like I would have faked the run if I was the Patriots and went for the pass. Um, the Patriots gave up four touchdowns to wide receivers all last year. To opposing wide receivers, the Patriots only gave up four touchdowns. They gave up four touchdowns to opposing wide receivers in this game alone. With Russ throwing for five touchdowns, tying for the most touchdowns against Bill Belichick's Patriots since Drew Brees in 2009. So low-key, the Seahawks got the Patriots number. Besides that one play, which, I mean, we can all agree, like, why they throw the ball anyway. It looks like the, the Seahawks are kind of the team that beat the Patriots. Like, the Seahawks and the Giants. <laughs> it looks like those are the two teams. I, I, would, I have absolutely no problem saying that uh, Russell Wilson is the third best quarterback easily, alone, as the third best quarterback in the league behind Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And, I mean, he's been doing it for a minute. So, I think, given his success... Even in the past, I think we you might be able to make an argument maybe for him over Lamar. Maybe, 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 maybe. Probably not, but maybe. Um, and again, injuries. Uh, the two, the two more ACL injuries we got in this game: Marquise Blair, the nickelback, and Bruce Irvin, the linebacker, both out for the season with ACL injuries. Just absolutely heartbreaking. The Monday night game, we had the Saints versus the Raiders, the first game in Las Vegas, with the Raiders taking a dub on Monday night football. Um, the Saints still kind of look out of out of sync on offense, even obviously they're missing Michael Thomas being hurt in that game. Um, it, it just seemed, seemed like the offense is just a little out of sync still. There's been whispers about Drew Brees being a little a little declining, maybe. I mean, it's understandable. Like he's 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 up there in age, obviously. Two lackluster performances to start the year against not necessarily the best of defenses. It's a little worrying, but when you look at everything, didn't have Michael Thomas this this game. No preseason for a team like the Saints, which is all about preparation. The Saints are leading, have led the league in uh, penalty yardage for the second straight week. All these things you add into it, you can see why he hasn't had the best games, but... The whispers have started about Drew maybe having a bit of a decline this year. We'll have to see. You know who's not declining? Derek Carr. Derek Carr looked great out there. He was commanding the offense like a pro. He had 
Two plays. He had two plays where I started, I will admit, he had two plays in that game. I was worried. I was like, hey, he's looking like David. He's looking like David Carr out there. And that's not that's not a good thing to say at all. I'm very scared. And after those two plays, he looked like Aaron Rodgers on a Super Bowl run. <laughs> that boy's out there balling. <laughs> and I, I love Derek Carr. I really like Derek Carr a lot. Like, I really want Derek Carr to succeed, especially in Oakland. I really want to see him succeed. I think the jury's been out on him way too many times way too much and that was a that was a great example this game was a great example and you give him good players like i think antonio brown would be absolutely stupid he'd be stupid on any team but he'd be absolutely stupid on this team henry ruggs is really really good that's a young guy darren waller is another young guy really really good josh jacobs obviously offensive rookie of the year last year you gave him you gave him weapons like think about that think about it this way Derek Carr has not only been on this team for three years but Darren Waller just got there in the last two years Josh Jacobs got there in the last two years Ruggs just got signed this year um Hunter Hunter Renfro or Hunt yeah Hunter Renfro Renfrew or Renfro how do we say it the uh their their white wide receiver from Clemson he's been there for two three years all of his weapons just got here like he has he's had some weapons yes but we're not going to act like Derek Carr's had weapons like, oh, my God, Derek Carr should be throwing for 300 yards every single game. No, he has not, not, he has not had weapons like that. But Derek Carr is nice. And you put some nice dudes around him, look what's happening. So I like the Raiders. I like them going forward. I'm very interested to see what they're going to do going forward. And it was a very good game for their offense. And the defense held up as well. Um, oh, yeah, lastly, Robert Woods got an extension four years. 65 million dollars and he definitely played like he got an extension uh this week he had a very good game Tyreek Cohen also got an extension uh a three-year deal moving on forward if you know me you know what we talking about next it's basketball basketball time to talk about talk about some basketball all right it crept it crept up on me went right up under my nose I had no idea but the WNBA's playoffs started like I'm pretty sure the WNBA's playoffs started last Tuesday and it just swept just got swept right under the rug like I just I didn't even know like they didn't tell me or nothing they didn't call me like hey Damien the playoffs about to start like didn't nobody call me or nothing I'm kind of mad um but the playoffs have started uh I figured I would start with the award races and um who won i think they're still announcing it i i think they're still slowly starting to announce who who is who but the las vegas aces the las vegas aces aces are, are like really nice they're like their team is like actually like dumb stacked they have players who aren't playing right now and literally like they're still stacked they have the MVP, Asia Wilson. Asia Wilson was the number one pick two years ago. Two years ago. She literally just got here. She's just gotten to the league. So she's been in the league for three years, <laughs> literally. And she's the MVP. Um, she got 43 of the 47. She was picked first on 43 of the 47 ballots. Uh so she got MVP. <laughs> I mean, like, ah, good for you. Like, I, like, I, I just, I'm shocked. Like, I knew she was a baller. She had a really good year in the playoffs last year. I just, 
Like the aces are just so good. Continuing on the um, awards, we have the aces. Um, the sorry, oh, I'm trying not to mess up her name. Dorica, yeah, I think that's how you said. Dorica, Dorica Hamby. She was a six man, six woman, excuse me, sixth woman of the year last year. She wins it again this year. Two straight six women of the year. So the Aces have two award winners just on their team. Like, oh yeah, that's what I was looking for. Here it is, right here for you. Liz Cambridge, who. She's at their center. She had an all-star center. She had a med- uh, medical exception, so she's not playing. And guard Kelsey Plum, she tore Achilles. They're both not here. And this team is still in the playoffs. Still have two award winners. Like, hey, yo, what? How are you balling like this without your two players? Hmm? Huh? What y'all doing? I'm pretty sure they're still waiting. They haven't announced um, the rest of the rest of their award winners excuse me i'm pretty sure they haven't announced the rest of their award winners but it is to be seen it will will, will have to keep on going now the the bracket the way that they play the way that they do everything in the wmba is a little different so let me let me go ahead and put y'all on game real quick so they all it's it's all eight seeds only eight seeds so they go the one through eight for they went one through eight this year. The seven and six seed and the five and eight seed play in the first round. They play a single elimination game to advance. And then the teams are reseeded and they go ahead and pe- uh, push forward after that. So in the first round, we had um, the Connecticut Sun playing in Chicago and um, Phoenix versus Washington. Phoenix and Connecticut both won. So Phoenix goes on to play Minnesota. And we have Connecticut going on to play the L.A. Sparks. Now, those games are also single elimination games. The round two games are also single elimination games. So out of those games, we had Minnesota pulling out a late game victory against Phoenix. They won by one. And Connecticut, the seven seed taking the victory against the three-seeded Los Angeles Sparks. Oh, sad, sad, sad. Go ahead and take a 14-point win to advance into the semifinals. The semifinal matchups are the Las Vegas Aces versus the Connecticut Sun and the Seattle Storm taking on the Minnesota Lynx. This is all, this, these matchups are interesting. The Aces being without Cambridge and Plum, as I said, and the Minnesota Lynx still being here despite being without Maya Moore, their star player who... Um, has set out the last two seasons in order to um, in order to contribute her time, contribute her life really to social justice and and making a change in the world. Which we love Maya Moore. We love Maya Moore to the ends of the earth because she has the she she really has potential has and has has and has had potential to be the like one of the best players to be the best women's player of all time. And she said, "I'm gonna put all that down and I'm gonna go and try and change the world." So we love Maya Moore so, so much. Um, but we'll go ahead and... I, f- I don't think they'll be... I don't think the playoffs will be done. I don't think their, their playoffs will be done by the time we swing back around. So next week, we'll go ahead and uh, swing back around and finish off the awards and give you some more WNBA news. 
let's go ahead and get into the NBA. Since we last spoke, a certain someone was named the league's MVP. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo wins the MVP. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That was that was my last that was my last little bit of Laker fan. I'll, I'll chill. I promise I'll be good for this entire time. Giannis wins the MVP. He's in, extremely deserving, incredibly deserving. Absolutely, the league's MVP. I have absolutely no issue with him winning the award. This award, I have a problem with him winning DPOI. But I have absolutely no problem with, with him winning MVP. He for sure deserved it. He for sure was the league's best player on the league's best team. He was the most dominant player this season. I I, I love LeBron. I think that the storyline and the narrative behind it does make him MVP, and he does also deserve it. But I have no problem with Giannis getting it. I have a problem with Giannis getting DPOI. Uh, we also have the All-NBA teams being announced. The first team is LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, of course, James Harden, Anthony Davis, and Luka Doncic. The second team is comprised of Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic, um, Nikola Jokic, excuse me, Kawhi Leonard, Pascal Siakam, and Chris Paul making second team. Uh, the third team is comprised of Rudy Gobert of France uh, and the Utah Jazz, just, uh, not Justin, I, I put JT, so I was about to say Justin Timberlake. <laughs> JT as in Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Jimmy Butler as they battle in the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll get into that a little later. Russell Westbrook and Ben Simmons. The big snubs of the All-NBA teams this year being Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, uh, Trey Young, and Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, uh, Chris Middleton actually, I think, had like the most votes of players who didn't make it. In who did not make the the all NBA teams, we have Luca. I'm sorry, I had it pulled up right here. We have Luca Doncic, uh, Pascal Siakam, and Ben Simmons. Oh, Ben Simmons and Jason Tatum all making their first all NBA teams. Congratulations to all of them. Uh, LeBron James setting a record. He has now made the all NBA team 16 times. That is more than anyone ever. Congratulations to the big guy. Uh, I definitely think that Damian Lillard would have made first team if Luka Doncic didn't have such a MVP caliber season. I definitely had Dame in my first team, but he didn't make it, obviously. Um, and I don't have a problem with him not making it over Luka. Luka, like I said, had an incredible year. I was a little bit surprised by Chris Paul making second team. Um, but I, mean, I don't know. I think that's kind of interesting. I was surprised by Russ. I think I was surprised by Russ and Ben a little bit. Just, just a smidgen. I was definitely surprised Bradley Bradley Beal didn't make it, but then I looked at I, after my initial shock and disgust that Bradley Beal did not make a team, despite how amazingly he played. Um, I realized that every person here, every person who made the All NBA teams, is also in the playoffs, which is interesting. But my problem with that is that this is an, a very individual award. Playoff teams get to go to the playoffs. That's, that's how you reward playoff teams for that. You're still not rewarding the team for this. Like, you're rewarding a person still for what the team is doing in that regard. I just don't really like it that much. Like, this, like that, that's awful. That's an awful reason. Everyone making it like, oh, you're in the playoffs, so your team should be in. Like, nah, mm, nah. MB didn't make it, so I don't really think that Ben should have made it. I don't really feel like Russ should have made it. I think that I would be fine with Bradley Beal taking either of their spots personally. Um, but I would rather him take um, Russ's spot probably. But hey, it is what it is. Uh, 
I don't, I don't really I don't really have a big gripe with the list. Like the lists are, are pretty solid. My big gripe is that Bradley Beal didn't make it. I think they had a really good year, and that all NBA, an all NBA spot is a good way. Like he didn't make the All Star team, which I, with that that has enough fan voting in it, which like I can understand. But at the end of the day, all NBA is, is supposed to reward players. Like you, you should be rewarding dudes. Um, like Bradley Beal, you should definitely reward him for having a good year. Like he had a really good year on a really bad team, and he almost dragged them to the playoffs. If Bradley Beal plays in the bubble, then they're making the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says. If Bradley Beal, I don't even need Bertans. I don't even need John Wall. If Bradley Beal goes to the, goes to the bubble, then the Washington Wizards make the playoffs over the Nets probably. Well, the Nets actually had played a, played a pretty good bubble, so maybe not. But oh, maybe over the Magic actually. They might they probably make it over the Magic because the Magic was the eight seed. Bradley Beal was having that good of a year, and he was dragging them to the playoffs. Like, they got invited to the bubble because of Bradley Beal. <laughs> if Bra- if, I think if they knew Bradley Beal wasn't going to be playing, then then the Wizards wouldn't have made it to the bubble in the first place. But it is what it is. Like, I feel like all NBA is where you reward those kind of players. Like, I understand your team sucked, but hey, we see that you were balling. And he was balling. Like, he was having a stupendous year. I think he was having an absolutely great year. So I, 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 I actually cannot believe he did not make it. Like, Russ had a solid year. Ben had a pretty good year. Uh, Jimmy and Jimmy and Jason, obviously, I'm I'm very fine with them being there, but ah, uh, yeah, I think Bradley for sure should make it over either Ben or Russ, but especially over Russ because because like he's the leader of his team. He actually led his team. Russ is is not piggybacking off of James Harden, but he is definitely not the guy for his team. Like he's contributing, Buku. He is. Definitely contributing, but Bradley Beal's contributing more. He's more valuable. Like, if we had to put who's most valuable to their team, it's Beal easily. But someone will argue, what is he most valuable to? And I'm I'm gonna argue, is this an individual award, or is, are we giving the entire Rockets all NBA third team? No, we're giving it to Russ. We're not giving the Wizards all NBA third team. We're giving it to Bradley Beal. So we shouldn't even really be talking about their team that much. That much. We can talk about it, but it's not like that much. Um, anywho, okay, last little part, because that, like, you, I, I know, I know exactly people, I know, I'm thinking of one person right now, I know the person who I would have this argument with, but he's gonna, he would say, what is Bradley Beal leading his team to? And I would say he led them to the bubble, he led them to actually being invited to the bubble, because the other, the, like, he was the, the, the ninth team, that they were the ninth team, there's no team under the Wizards that got invited to the bubble, <laughs> So he literally willed them to being in the bubble in the first place, to even being in contention to make the playoffs. And then what is Russ leading them to? Nothing, because he's not the leader. I don't, no, no, mm-mm. He leads them sometimes. He has good games. He has the games where he's the better player. He plays better than James, and he's the, he's the guy, and James takes a, bad, a back seat. But at the end of the day, that's James Harden's team, and James Harden is carrying that team. So they, does he contribute? Absolutely. But again, I say, I think Bradley contributes more. Not necessarily contributes, like, more things to the team, but overall, he contributes more to the team than Russ does. I w- I, I'm sorry, he does. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm, I'm to have to go with Bradley. Uh, before I start getting into the games, a uh, little, la- like, the, I, I'm, yeah, I have it written down, so you know we got to talk about it. The Clippers choking. Um, and not just choking, but deciding to stay together. They said they're, they're talking about they they retain Doc. Doc's coming back as the coach. They're talking about sticking together and and, and trying to really have a, a, their first real full season together next year. 
Um, and it's just they're saying that now, but how will it go? How how that how will that end up looking? Will what what is the retooling next year look like? Um, they have to pay Trez. Montrez is a free agent. What do they do with Lou Williams? I personally do not believe that Lou Williams is a piece to a championship team. I think he's a piece to a playoff team, to a good team, but not a championship team. And I haven't been wrong so far. Um, in that regard, at least. Um, and I, I mean, like, my point about that got exposed. Like, he gets exposed. Like, you, you can't really have him play the end of a game because he's going to get exposed. He should get exposed every time on offense. And then the, the conundrum around PG, it's been reported that um, there was a post-game speech that Paul George gave to the team, and there were there were eye rolls, there were guys kind of just being like, are you really talking right now? Like, And I'm wondering how much truth there is to that report and what that really means for them going into next year and who is rolling their eyes, who's talking MS. Like, this Clippers team is supposed to be trying to run it back next year, and we're already hearing kind of scary things in terms of their chemistry and dudes believing in each other and things like that. So, um, what do they end up doing? And honestly, I'm going to have a problem if they don't really run it back next year because I really have a problem with first-year teams. Like, the Clippers were a first-year team. The Lakers are a first-year team, too. So, I mean, like it, it's like first-year teams are hard to win with. It's like LeBron lost his first year in, Le- in Miami, and that was a really good team. First year teams is kind of hard to do because you're trying to get that camaraderie, you're trying to learn each other, you're trying to get that chemistry, all the while actually playing the game. And injuries suck, like every like injuries suck, all these different things. Corona happened, like I feel bad for the Clippers, but if they don't run, if they don't bring back this exact same team, you're gonna be in that same situation with the first year team and stars that need to rest. So they have to run it back, or you're running into the same problem next year, honestly. All right, we're in the home stretch. Let's go ahead and close this thing out for you guys. Now, let's get into these games. Uh, the Lakers versus the Nuggets. The Lakers are up 2-0 to zero in the series now. Uh, they should be playing. Yeah, they're playing today. Game three is today. We have um, in the on the east side, we have Miami versus Boston. Boston took game three. The series is now 2-1 with game four being played tomorrow, Wednesday. Now, for this uh, Lakers-Nuggets series, I figured, nah, I'll go I'll go Miami-Boston first. Uh, Miami-Boston, <laughs> game two is so funny. Game two is so interesting. The first half was a little bit, not necessarily dominated, but the first half got a good look, a good a good look at Ennis Cantor. Like, what? Ennis, the Ennis Cantor first half. Like, that was, that was kind of crazy. But then the third quarter, as I said, like I, I didn't really get, a, I haven't really gotten a, a good chance to really watch much of this series. I'm be honest, so I keep on missing the first halves and not understanding how Miami keeps on ending up down. But I, I was kind of looking at the the um, box score and everything, and I see Ennis Cantor hasn't missed a shot. He has like nine points and eight boards, and plus minus is like plus twelve at halftime. I'm like, hey yo, does Bam exist? Like, did this happen when Bam wasn't in the game? Do we not put in Bam immediately? Like, what's like, Bam should just kill this man. Like, if Ennis Cantor touches the floor, I would immediately put in Bam and let him just work out. Um, and it, I, I don't know if they heard me, but in that third quarter, that third quarter was Miami's. Uh, Bam took over. Bam took over big time. He was looking looking scary good. And that defense was, was looking really good as well. That that zone that zone really, like, clamped up. In that third quarter, they really clamped up on, um, on Boston. A big help, especially when you're coming back in a game. 
uh, is living and dying by the three, which is seems like it's Miami's mo. I feel like I see everybody on Miami just kind of let it go. Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Jimmy's pretty smart and pretty conservative about when he wants to shoot his three pointers. Kelly Olynyk just lets it go every single time I see him get the ball. <laughs> they they just be letting them things fly, and they're one of the best three point shooting teams in the league. So I mean, you know, it works. It works out for them. But pretty game two was pretty pretty solid. I, I'm just I I really like I even still I I need to go back and like understand the games a little more but I knew that um hearing that game 3 they would have Gordon Hayward back would definitely be a big help offensively and like all together for Boston and it definitely showed itself in game 3. Um they finally started to figure out this zone it looks like it took them 3 games but they they seemed that they really started to figure out the zone and if you ask me Miami really seemed that Miami's the team that is kind of in trouble here because they are up 2-1, but in all three of those games, they've been down. In all three of those games, they've had to fight back. They've had to strike. They have, they have to come back. And in game three, they finally couldn't. But no matter what, in the first half of all three games, you really do have these dudes. Like, you, you really do see Miami kind of looking like, hey, should we be worried about you? Like, are you going to keep doing this? Are you going to do this all series where you are going to be down to – start the game like I like, have to fight to come back are you guys the East Nuggets like what's going on like why does it have to be a comeback every single time and even Jimmy said I'm tired tired of playing comeback I'm tired of playing catch up like I just want to be winning the game and hold it like it is very frustrating so game two after game two we had the reports of Marcus Smart we had the reports of multiple players yelling cursing screaming coming out of the Boston's locker room and it I, it seems as though like we need Miami to do that we need Miami to now be the frustrated ones. We need Miami to be the ones that come out there with some aggression, with some anger, playing a, with some sense of urgency and getting the job done in the first half, not just second half. It's good that you can come back. It's good that you can hold them to nothing in the second half and just really dog them out and, and win the game. But dog them out from the beginning so you can maybe save a little bit of energy. <laughs> like, I don't know. But um, I think it's a chess match. A chess match. I think so far this series has been a, uh, has been a chess match, and it's going to continue to be a chess match. And it's going to be a lot of puffing out the chess, and who's really the big dog? Who's really the big dog now? This this series is really about who's going to be the big dog coming out of the East, and who is going who it could potentially be for a couple, for the years to come. Miami, win, lose, or draw. Miami's going to try and get better after this. But win, lose, or draw. Miami's trying to show even to other players in the league. Hey, we got money too. So if you want to come and add on to this, if you see what we got, you see the dogs, you see the culture we got down here, and you think you could be a part of that, come on down. And we're going to test it. We're going to test to see if you're ready. We're going to test you and make sure that you are a part of this culture because they ain't going to just take anybody. So Miami's auditioning themselves not only to be the, the team for the next five years in the East, but they're also auditioning to players like hey do you want to come and join the team for the next 5 years do you want to make us the make us the team that's going to be the team for the next 5 years and boston boston's been boston's messing around this has been boston title to take and they've been messing around for years now messing around with toronto messing around with cleveland messing around um who's the other team i'm forgetting with Philly, they've been messing around for years now, and Boston, it's finally time for them to get over the hump. Now it's Miami, another East team. Like you, this is your fourth East team, bro. Y'all gotta get over the hump eventually. And it's been it's been quite a while. I mean, you, we really don't. I really don't want to see JT end up being Paul Pierce and just not really getting there for a really long time until he gets some other really good players, <laughs> but or until he has to leave. But I mean. They have so much talent on this team, and you really want them to just put it together. 
but it we get well, something's got to give. One team has to be better than the other team. Um, and this it's it's been two heavyweights with power punches, power punches coming from both sides. So Boston landed the last one. Let's see if Miami can re- respond. Going over to the west side, we have the Lakers versus the Nuggets. Game one, the Lakers just looked way too good. The passing and the defense was just amazing all game. Um, Jamal Murray, even in game one, he still looked like the best guard in, in the playoffs this year. Honestly, he's, he's looked like the best guard of the playoffs. And he's looked like that this entire time. Um, besides a couple of games against the Clippers, but of course the Clippers. And that was only a couple of games. Um, but Jamal's, Jamal's looking different. Jamal's looking like he's the best guard in the playoffs Still, he's looked like the best guard this whole time. Um, Damian Lillard had had some had some talks there, but Luca had some talks there, but they both couldn't get out the first round. And Jamal been balling. He was balling enough to get out the first round. <laughs> um, but the passing and the defense was looking absolutely amazing from the Lakers in game one. Uh, game two was game two. The Nuggets found some life, and they they definitely didn't go away. Um, game two kind of had the feeling at the beginning like the Lakers might be running away with it, like they might be might be very similar to game one. They might blow it open and kind of like stick stick to it and keep it that way the whole entire game. But the Nuggets found that life. They found that dog in them. They found what they've been finding in them this entire playoffs, that resilience. And they they fought hard and they made it um, they made it a game and they they played hard to the end. Um, but Anthony Davis is the best big in basketball. He's the best big man in basketball, and he, he proved it. He proved it once again on both sides of the ball. Uh, Jokic did his thing. He did what he was supposed to. He made a very big man move at the end of that game. However, AD did what he was supposed to, and he made the superstar move. He, he's playing like he wants all of the awards, all of them, every last one of them, every single award Give it to Anthony Davis because that boy a baller. Um... Yeah, that oh, man, if anyone would have been here to hear how loud I screamed at that game winner, whew, that entire last play, the entire last sequence, the um, I was just quiet. I was just quiet the entire time. I was just holding my hands, holding my hands together, just sitting, chilling. We had the shot. It missed the rebound, the block, the save that I was stressing so hard at every single point. Before that, every single point within that, I was so stressed out, but I held it in. I held it in. I held it in. I saw the clock said 2.1 and I was like, "Ooh, that's a 21. Mm, I I have to believe we're going to win this game now. Like I'm too into numbers. 2.1. That's 21 for me, baby. That's a game winner. We're going to get we win this game. I saw the best big man after next year. We're going to be calling him the best player in the league. I saw Anthony Davis do what he did. I can't wait to see him do it in the finals. But the Nuggets for sure found some life, and they seem like they definitely figured something out. LeBron had a really good first half in game two, but he had a really bad second half in game two. So you wanted to see if Denver maybe has kind of seemed to figure him out a little bit. Seemed like they maybe maybe they know, maybe they have a couple of schemes, maybe they got something to get him uncomfortable, I'm not sure. But uh, they were doing something something right in that uh, second half of the second game. So you, you look to see if Denver c- continues that, if LeBron comes back to life. Um, see, see AD continue to be AD. You really see if the Lakers continue to shoot the ball well, pass the ball well, play such good defense. Um, we really haven't had a big game from um, 
Kyle Kuzma so far in the playoffs. So you kind of wonder when and if that's coming. And yeah, honestly, it's, it's looking like a really good series. I I cannot believe, I cannot believe that the Denver is out of this series until they're down 3-0. If Denver loses game three, then I have I don't believe in them anymore. But if they win game three, I said, if they win game three and the Lakers win game four, the team that's come back 3-1 twice, you still kind of worry about them. So even right now, down 2-0, only having a two-game lead on them. They, they do well when, when the team that they're playing against only has a two-game lead on them. So it's hard to say, ah, don't worry about Denver. Ah, like It's hard to have too much confidence, hard to have the utmost confidence. And um, yeah, you it, it's going to be a good series still. I still believe that both of these series are going to be good. I believe that um, Boston-Miami goes to seven still, honestly. I think it goes seven, and if it is to go seven, I would have to believe that Boston takes it with... Miami winning the first two games. If Boston can win three of the last five games, I, I truly believe they'll be winning four of the last five games. So I think Miami has to win, like, immediately. Like, Miami needs to end this series in five and six. If they don't end this immediately, then that's when you get into, that's when the doubt starts to creep in. You have a very young team besides, like, the vet. Like, you have Jimmy, you have Dragic. Dragic has been playing really good. Um, you have the vets on Miami, but... The later this series goes, I feel like the younger players start to see the doubt start to creep in and you start to get worried about where their head's at. So Miami needs to end this series and end this series fast. And the same goes for the Lakers. This young team that you've been playing, like you're playing against a young team that's been resilient, that's been coming back. You can't mess around. You cannot. This game three is pivotal for the Lakers. The Lakers have to win game three. If they win game three, the series is over. No one's ever come back from 3-1. Then again, I don't think anyone's ever come back from uh, no one's ever come back from 3-0. I don't think anyone's ever come back from 3-1 three times, let alone uh, ever come back from 3-1 three times, but let alone come back from 3-0 ever. So kill their confidence. Put them in the ground. Dead it. Because then if we lose game four, so what? If we lose game four, so what? But win game three, win game five. It's wraps. Like, that's cool. Cool by me. The Lakers have to have to have urgency. They have to play this game like they're down 2-0. It, it's, it's championship time. It is championship time. And the the guys have to show up. And the role players, the guys who want to get get the big money to go pl- be, be a role player for somebody, like you want to be the next Danny Green, you got to show up right now. This is the time to show up. And that's how you get paid $15 million to be the sixth best player on your team, if even sixth. <laughs> no offense to Danny, I'm just saying. Making $15 million this year, and he, he's, not the, he's not a top five player on the Lakers. It must be nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the playoffs, baby. I, I'll have to, I haven't had a hypothetical for you guys, so I'll have to, have to hit you all with a hypothetical for next week. But my elephant in the room for this week um, not too crazy. I'm not 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 too advicey, not too preachy, um, not too serious either. It's really, really more so for for my loving sports fans, for my people who love sports. But it's something that we're all gonna kind of realize. The timeline in sports is is fucked. In all sports, we are in September doing playoff basketball. The finals is about to be played in October. That's weird. The finals is played in June. Baseball, 
baseball's playoffs is about to start, but they're going to be going. I mean, baseball's playoffs is kind of on time, but baseball's time timeline is off. Football's timeline is off. We got tennis players just dropping dropping out, just not not even competing. The top tennis players aren't even competing. Defending champions are not even competing in their tournaments. It's crazy. And it's a little worrisome. Like, it's like uh, me, and, me and a friend were talking about it, and that's why this came up. Me and a friend were talking about it. And it's like, it's just weird. Like, sometimes you kind of like angle your life around. Like, me personally, like the draft, they're, they're moving the NFL draft to the 20th. My birthday is the 21st. So that's a little weird for me. And I'm, like, I'm trying to live my birthday. I'm trying to enjoy it, but I'm also trying to do my job and do what I want to do for a job and keep, keep up with the draft, keep up with what's going on. But now that's also conferring with my birthday. And this has never happened before. I don't have to worry about sporting events during my birthday, really, because even baseball usually kind of goes by the World Series isn't during my birthday. Um, so it's, it's just really interesting. Uh, the, the, it, for sports fans, whether you're casual or you're a diehard sports fan, it's, you're going to notice it. You're going to notice it, whether it's a birthday, whether it's the New Year's, whatever it is, you're going to realize, like, oh, wow, like, the timeline is all messed up, and that even works with the way that, especially Americans, it works with the way that we live our lives, our everyday lives. It's, it's so predicated around sports, and there's so much of it that's like, oh, like the Super Bowl happens, or the World Series happens, or the finals happens, and then this happens. Like, or things like that. Like, for me at least, like, I think about those kind of things, and it's, it's, it's a little different. It's a little weird. And that was just like that, not a huge elephant in the room this week, but like literally that the timeline for sports is all messed up, man. Like this is weird. This is we. It feels weird. It feels weird to be watching basketball in September. Like I love it. I enjoy having basketball no matter what. But even like the summer league, like the summer league is different. Like the the summer league was supposed to be in the summer, and it's going to be winter league now. Like everything's thrown off. Like. And I'm just wondering, like, do we ever get it back? Are we going to have a new normal? Is the timeline now forever shifted? Or do the sport, the, the figureheads in sports, the commissioners, do we try and get, do we try and slowly, like, after a few years? Or do we slowly try and get back to a normal timeline, get back to what we used to be on? Or is it just going to be, hey, corona messed everything up, but, like, we can't just not play for two months and then say, okay, well now we're going to pick up, pick it up just because we're trying to get back on the timeline. Like, I think we might have a new timeline for sports and that's pretty interesting. That's pretty crazy. If you ask me, like as a sports fan, as someone who lives their life, kind of, kind of lives their life around sports in a sense, like it, it's really weird. It's really interesting. But, uh, yeah, that was my elephant in the room for the week. Uh, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. I have no idea how long it is, honestly. But I know I've been doing it for a very long time. So I appreciate you for listening to me for this long. Honestly, I, I really, really do. Like, I I can't believe that the numbers, I can't, I, I haven't even really checked the numbers like that in a long time, but I can't believe what they look like. I can't believe all these people listen to me for this amount of time. I really, like, I cannot ever ever really tell you guys how much I appreciate the love and the support and man like I really 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 appreciate it it's it's all love and because of that I will do everything in my power to make sure that I keep on trying to provide great content and to all my 
new sports fans to all my always sports fans like just giving just being another voice for you guys just being another voice giving you another opinion giving you another angle to look at these things and also just just trying to just trying to be myself and and get my voice out there so i help you you help me and i i like re- i really i even just with the merchandise like the support and the fact that i got to get some more already like man it, it's it's a little overwhelming it's it is a little overwhelming but i seriously appreciate it all from the bottom of my heart i love you guys i appreciate you guys and I can't wait till we on episode 50, episode 100. I can't wait till we start doing video. I can't wait till we start having guests. But I don't know if I'll ever stop doing these because the way you guys have supported me lets me know that this can be big and that this can go go so, so far. But I know it'll go that way because of you guys, not just because of what I'm doing, but what you guys are doing. Your support, your love, your encouraging words, you spreading the word and telling other people about it, all of that, it all works together to make to make this, to make all these things possible. And I, I seriously cannot thank you guys enough. Um, so as always, be safe out there. Live your life with love. Um, and yeah, man, and be blessed. Dame out.